Welcome to the Mule Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay S. Nixon. This is the 38th episode in the co-pilot series where we can chat about making the plant-based lifestyle more doable, especially while facing common challenges and roadblocks we all face on our journey to better health. I'm really stoked about my co-pilot today. He has a really interesting story, and it's one of those stories that makes you go, okay, every road to the plant-based diet is a good one, and sometimes they're a little crazy. But also, we're gonna talk about yoga and meditation, which with Yogavore having just concluded in another Yogavore getting ready to start. It's, you know, I just, I love yoga and meditation so much, and so I'm really excited to have someone as passionate as me talk about it today. And um, I think we might even talk about sprouting and farming a little bit. So before I go on any further, hey Matt, what's up? Not much, I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for coming on today. So. I'm sure everyone's now dying to know with my little teaser. Tell us about your very strange way that you came to eating a plant-based diet. Well, the official story actually begins uh, when I was studying abroad in Ecuador. So to give you the full picture here, because it's kind of funny. Because <laughs> I'm sure people are going, Ecuador, you can be vegan in Ecuador? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I definitely wasn't vegan in Ecuador, um, but I went and I did the study abroad program. And when I went to Ecuador, I spoke hardly any Spanish at all. But I jumped like right into a university setting. I mean, it was a study abroad program, mm -hmm. uh, so I took very challenging coursework, such as rock climbing, <laughs> uh, <laughs> choir, and yoga. Uh, and this was my first intro to yoga. You know, I'd always thought that it wasn't. You know, it was more for uh, it was more for girls. It wasn't you know something that guys typically did, and I just I wasn't that interested in it. Um, but when I started doing the class, it was really amazing, and I realized like, wow, this is a really you know it's a great workout. Um, I feel uh, stronger. I feel fitter, and not only that, but some of the you know emotional and even spiritual things. And we can talk about that a little later. Um, that you start to experience through yoga was was really powerful. But the amazing thing was that the yoga teacher that I had, this Ecuadorian woman, she had studied at my university in Oregon. And so when she found out that I was from OSU, she said, oh, when you go back, you have to go and do yoga with this, with this woman who teaches at, at Oregon State. Um, so I get back to OSU. I look up this lady. I walk into her yoga class. And here is this, like, I don't know her age. She's probably in her 60s um, doing back bends and push-ups and like just running circles around all us 20-somethings. Mm -hmm. Like she was so fit. But not only that, I mean, she just had this glow to her. She was so happy. She was so passionate about life. And that was the first person that I'd come across where I thought, you know, this is a complete successful human being mm -hmm. who is completely happy with their life, who is, you know, like she, she had figured it out. You know, I had I love that. that. I love that you described her as like a completely successful human. Yeah, I mean, we're we're taught, you know, you go to college and you're taught all these skills to how to su how to succeed in your career, um, how to get get ahead. But we're not taught these really essential skills of how to be happy, how to mm -hmm. take care of our bodies, how to eat right, how to balance our emotions. Um, these things that are really critical, you know, especially these days when modern life is so fast-paced and so hectic. It's like this is a skill set that every person needs. Um, so it was really amazing to encounter that. Um, so I started going to her class. You know, first it was once a week, and then it was two times a week, then three times a week, then every day. And then I graduated, um, and I stuck around because I just wanted to continue studying with her. So eventually I was doing yoga, you know, two hours a day, pretty much going to her, to her classes. Um, and at that point, she realized that I was, you know, fairly serious about this. And at that point, too, I was ready to kind of like jump into whatever was next. Mm -hmm. So I basically, I basically told her, you know, whatever you tell me to do, I'll try it. <laughs> Which ended up being a really terrible idea. <laughs> but actually, a really great idea, actually. But it was, it was pretty exciting because she put me on a strict you know, 100% vegan raw food diet. And I was coming from a standard American diet. So this was like a crazy and probably transition. like a college kid standard American diet, which is probably <laughs> even worse. Yeah, you're laughing. So I know that's true. <laughs> oh, man, seriously, my this is what I would make. I would take a white tortilla, I would sprinkle on some cheese and some pepperoni, and I would roll it up and I would stick it in the microwave and that was like my special that was like how I that was the one thing that I knew how to cook I know we I mean, can't was, see each other right now which is probably good because my stomach literally just clenched and I bent <laughs> over <laughs> I know I know I I can't believe I'm still alive like, it, it's, it's so bad so bad so I'm like I, I need mean, to go eat kale just from that visual <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely 
Yeah, so I mean, this was a really uh, abrupt, let's say, transition for me. Um, so she put me on a raw food diet, and then she sent me off to uh, a 10-day silent meditation retreat and started to get me into meditation, um, which again was, I mean, it's like zero to 60 mm-hmm. on all these different avenues of life. Um, but I stuck with it for whatever reason. You know, I was really, I was willing to to give this experiment a try. And, you know, after, I mean, even just two weeks, but really a month or two months into a completely plant-based diet, doing yoga every day and starting to meditate, like the quality of my life was just so different. And mm-hmm. there was just no going back. Like we talked about, you know, when we did our other interview, it's not necessarily what we wanted to do. But once you start feeling so good, there's just no going back. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's how I feel about yoga and meditation as well as the plant-based diet. And even though... It's so funny because you, would, I feel, went to this thing as you saw this beautiful person who was just so happy and so full of life, and you're like, I want that for myself. You know, you you wanted to have this rounded, harmonious existence, and I was like, oh, a vegan diet will help me lose weight. Oh, a vegan diet will get rid of my acne. Like, I totally went in for, like, the most selfish, vain, Western. <laughs> ended up in the same place and we both came to this thing like wow this is incredible this was not what I was expecting I'm getting a billion times more out of it way more you know superior things out of it than and I'm like I can't believe I was ever worried about zits when now I have this bliss (laughs) Uh, (laughs) it was like I was I think that's what it was is I was so chronically unhappy like you said you they give you all this education your whole life school in just growing up and it's all about how to like be successful, but it's never about like being satisfied or yeah. being happy. And I finally remember um, my doctor saying to me when I was really depressed, he's like, Lindsay, happiness is not some place that you can get to and stay at. It's not like a place. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's this thing yeah. you have to find in every minute of your day. And I was yeah. like, I don't know how to do that. And then I walk, <laughs> and then I and then I started going to yoga and meditating, and I, I found that wow, happiness can be available to me every minute of every moment. Yeah, it's so true, and it's so interesting too how we do, you know, we search for it. And I, I mean, I tried to meditate for years, and I was like, oh, this is gonna make me happy. Mm-hmm. And you know, I would try to get fit. I mean, the same thing with yoga. I was always chasing something else. Like that's why I was in Ecuador. You know, and so mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what gets us there, but just when you start to live in a way that supports your total well-being, um, then everything else starts to melt away, and we can start to like access that happiness and peace and contentment that's always there. You know, absolutely. And there was one thing I don't know if you read; you probably did because you're such a voracious like reader and passionate about the plant-based life. But in Dr. Campbell's book Whole, he talks about how like we need to get away from being reductionists, where we keep like trying to pick apart these little things. And I felt, and he meant it like you know, the apple, the whole apple is greater than the sum of its parts. But I also feel like that's part of the whole connection to your diet and your state of mind and what you're doing. Because I just feel like once you start caring about one of these things, all these other things start to come into focus a little better. And um, that's definitely, I think yoga is really kind of, and it's almost hard to put in words, but I think yoga has even shined that light greater. Like, okay, when I don't take that time for myself to practice or to meditate, I'm just not the best I can be. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I, I love the metaphor of, of whole and looking at it not as a reductionist thing because, you know, especially with our diets and when we become very concerned about trying to be, you know, totally conscious about what we put in our bodies and make the best choices that way, mm-hmm. um, you can take that to an extreme too. I mean, that's like when I was on 100% raw food diet, like I was so concerned about being 100% raw that it was deteriorating you know my my mental state I was anxious and nervous about what I was going to eat mm-hmm. and and that didn't support like my total well-being and my total happiness and when when you put that first then you'll start to make you know you, you start to think about food less of like oh can I eat this and get away with it or does this have to be perfect mm-hmm. um, every, it just you know it just starts to flow a little bit better because you're looking at the big picture of you know how can I live as a very happy healthy human being. 
And I appreciate your honesty about that because I think a lot of people, whether they're trying to be vegan or plant-based or raw or whatever, they're so busy trying to just be perfect, perfect, perfect. And then it just makes it really a stressful experience when and that's not what it's supposed to be. It's Are you there? I am. I think I think we had a, a hold moment. I think we had a hiccup. Yeah. But um, no, I do. I appreciate you being so honest about that because I do think too many people just get obsessed with trying to make it perfect and it's almost like we need to get out of our heads and not worry and just kind of relax and just kind of go with the flow and enjoy it. And I, I have OCD, so I, I was super perfectionist, like, oh my God, this, this has too much, this, how many grams of sugar? And finally I was like, you know what, I'm just going to focus on eating some plants. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And it was just like, oh, so much better. But yeah, I was like, am I, am I getting this many carbs? And I, oh, it was just, it, it's again, that reductionist thing. And finally I was like, you know what? There's an ebb and flow to life. Let's just take a step back. Let's yeah, exhale. A- absolutely. And I think that most, most people get there and it's harder when you're starting out because, mm-hmm. you know, as we've talked about, there is a big learning curve and there's a lot of, uh, back and forth and there's a lot there's a whole heck of a lot at least for me of not being perfect um so you can get a little caught up in like trying to you know do better and it's a fine line too because you can't always let yourself off the hook otherwise you stop making progress but as long as you put like your whole health first and your whole happiness first um and and focus on the big wins like you mentioned like i'm just gonna worry about eating some plants yeah you know (laughs) like that that is so key you know so many people get caught up in the details when you know probably 80% of the benefit that we see really comes down to that you know eat whole foods and eat plants and that's going to give you the majority of the benefit yeah I remember um it's Jeff uh, Jeff Novick is is such an amazing person and he has a plethora of great information but one thing that um he said to me we were at this conference together and I was like Jeff I get these people and they'll email me and they'll be like I I read this thing about carrageenan should I avoid it and you know all these questions like that and there's certainly worth things worrying about but I feel like when you're first switching there's already so many other things to focus on that it, it starts to get lost and I'm like and at the time someone asked me about liquid smoke like is liquid, and so then I was asking Jeff about liquid smoke, and Jeff's like, Lindsay, let me put it to you this way. I want you to take out a piece of paper and write the top 100 things that you're worried about in order of your most worry. And I mean, of course, I tired by the time I got to like 13, but his point was <laughs> if liquid smoke even made the list, <laughs> it was gonna be like 98. He's like, so just not focus on that right now. Yeah. It's like a drop of liquid smoke's not going to be the end of you, but you know, <laughs> numbers one through thirteen might be. So, and I was like, yes, oh, okay. But I think it is like, oh my god, and and what if it's because people are like, what about if it, if I ate this apple? I don't know if it was GMO. I'm like, let's just focus on the apple right now. You uh, can fine tune a little bit later, but let's just get used to eating some plants. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's that's what I think is the right approach too, is to worry about those things down the line when you're already established, mm-hmm. because like the amount of of willpower and the amount of like behavior change that goes into making a, a big lifestyle change like this, whether it's changing your diet or starting a yoga practice or starting to meditate, I mean, it's we underestimate like how big of a of a thing that is mm-hmm. in terms of the limited cognitive resources that we have towards you know changing our habits it's just it's this very hard thing to to program and so if we can the, as much as we can simplify that process and focus on the few big things that are going to give us the biggest benefit um at least when we're starting out you know as we're building our muscles as we're you know learning to say no as we're developing our new taste for these new foods um that's going to help so much and then what I say is, you know, you can always tweak things once you're established. Once these habits have been developed, you can always tweak things to make things a little bit healthier or to, you know, try and speed up your weight loss, whatever it is that you're trying to achieve. Uh, but for now, like basics, like focus right. on the basics mm-hmm. and that's really going to help. Well, and it's sort of like I always love to use the comparison of a baby that's, you know, been crawling for a while and now the baby's ready to walk. Well, initially the baby's just worried about like standing on two legs without falling over. The baby's not worried about running a marathon, let alone winning the gold. 
Yeah. So exactly. it's like you've got to like you got to start with let, let me stand on my first two feet. All right, I'm hobbling along. Okay, I fell over. Okay, I'm, I'm walking a little bit more. Good. Okay, now let's try running. <laughs> and maybe yeah. one day we'll be running a lot really fast. But yeah, um, absolutely. And and that's why I tell people it's like you're looking at me and I have been vegetarian most of my life and plant based for almost a decade. So. Where I am right now is a long time in the making. I didn't like get here on day one. Like this was a long progression. Oh yeah, totally. And so like you can't, you know, I mean, even if I compared myself to a year ago, it's quite different. And the little, like you said, those little tweaks, those keep fine tuning it just a little bit more to keep making process, to keep challenging yourself. But I same with yoga. I used to, I would take one yoga class and I would feel so sore, which first of all, I always thought yoga was like this relaxing, stretching thing. And you do get <laughs> relaxation out of it, but it is a workout. Hello. Oh, yeah. And um, and I was like, you know, I was like, oh, yoga is some weird hippie thing they do in California and they don't shave their legs and stuff. Like, you know, I mean, I totally had the wrong idea. But I went in and I was like, I'm so sore. But I because my body was just not I hadn't been treating it well. I I couldn't I would be sore for two or three days after yoga. And even with like good nutrition, eating lots of greens and stuff, I just I had soreness because my body wasn't used to being you know, my muscles weren't used to those things. And then I worked up to two days a week and then three days a week. And, you know, now I go every day. But it, it like you said, you have to start somewhere. Yeah. Even if yeah. it's one pose. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I never in a million years thought that I would be a person doing yoga or meditating or, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> eating a plant-based diet. Um, so, and it's, and it's so interesting too, because we do have all these preconceptions about what it is and who it's for. And like, it's such a shame because I mean, for me, I just, I basically see them as technologies at this point. Like they're amazing, uh, systems that allow us to access our optimal health, mm-hmm. um, you know, physically, mentally, all of the above. And so like we should have access to all the tools that we have towards that pursuit as possible. So it's really unfortunate. And, and the same thing happens with veganism, obviously that we think that, you know, veganism is for a certain kind of person. It's not for another kind of person. And it turns a lot of people off to it. That's very true because I actually, and it wasn't until you said that, that I realized that there's often a lot of times where I will meet people or I will have like, you know, been talking to this person either from yoga class or um, I, I'm like in a movie club and a book club. And so I see people on a, on a number of different occasions and eventually at some point it comes out that I eat a plant-based diet and they will say things like, oh, you don't look like a vegan or, oh, I never would have guessed you were vegan. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> stereotype is in your mind let me break that yeah. down for you uh-huh. <laughs> or even yeah. yoga like people will be like oh really you just don't seem that hippie granola crunchy and I'm like um thank you I never know what to say <laughs> yeah totally but which is awesome because I mean you're a pioneer like you're you're taking this message out and showing people that it doesn't have to meet the preconception of what they thought that it was and you know over time people become more and more interested in it and so I don't know. I just I think it's important for anybody who's in this kind of lifestyle to realize that that we have a very important role to play, and that we don't have to do it actively, but just by just by being who we are and you know bringing our our joy and our light uh, and our you know vibrance into the world. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a word, vibrance. But I think you, yeah, you, <laughs> I like it. I will yeah. take what, it's, our vibrance. I'll uh, I'll trademark that for you. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> no, but um, I, I agree. I always tell people the best thing you can do is to just be a shiny, positive example because everyone's going to want to get in on that. They're going to be like, what? what's going on with you? Like, why is she so happy? Why is she so glowing? Why is she, you know, if you're sitting there loving the food you're eating, mm, it's so good. I love it. People are going to be curious and they're going to want to know, you know, they're going to want to be in on it too. Yeah, totally. It's but, the best uh, way to do it. Yeah. And, and it's like you said, even if you're just being, you know, positive and shedding that light out there. Even if you never, you know, convert another person to try yoga or to try a plant-based diet, you've just, you've put more lightness out in this world. And I think with sort of all the stuff that's been going on lately um, in the news and stuff, I think we can all agree that a little more positivity is good for everybody. Totally. Yeah, totally. So one of my dreams in my dreams of dreams of dreams, I guess, is I want to live in like, I don't know, like a vegan compound, like this 
100% plant-based community where we're all just like farming and living together. And I think that's where I really, my inner hippie really comes out. But <laughs> that's a little bit more than a dream for you. Yes, I have. I spent four years in just such an environment. Amazing. Tell us about it. Um, so, I mean, it kind of picks up where I left off with the story of how I, you know, got into this lifestyle. Um, so when I changed my diet, I started doing yoga, I started meditating. Uh, my quality of life really changed. Um, but after about three to six months uh, of living this way, I didn't really have any friends anymore. Because um, most of the guys that were my age and that I was hanging out with weren't exactly on the same page. Yeah, they were still into the beer and chicken wings at school. We get it. <laughs> yeah, totally. They'd be like, hey, man, you want to go out and drink? And, I, and I'm like, oh, I'm, a, I'm a vegan now, but I don't know how to talk about it and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not really drinking so and I have green juice <laughs> and I have green juice <laughs> so I'm gonna be like uh no I'm not really feeling like it you know I'm just gonna stay home uh so yeah so after I changed my life I didn't really, really have any uh friends after a little while and I was getting more and more into this and just feeling like how how important it was for me to continue down this path um I could see that it was starting to it, it wasn't going to be an experiment forever. It was starting to become more of who I was. And, you know, it was, it was starting to become a lifestyle. I was really starting to embody that. Um, and so I started, you know, I was talking to my yoga teacher about the way that I was feeling. And she told me that there was this uh, center in Arizona. It's run by Dr. Gabriel Cousins. And it's essentially a completely uh, vegan center. And so he's really trying to create... Um, like a vegan center from top to bottom. And so there is a garden there. Uh, they do some farming and they've actually incorporated veganic gardening practice practices there. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so they grow their food in this uh, veganic style. And then there's a, you know, completely vegan raw food buffet, uh, three meals a day. Um, and then there are yoga classes and meditation programs, morning and night. Um, and so it's like this whole center that's kind of set up to support uh, this completely holistic lifestyle. Um, and obviously the raw food is a little different than whole food plant-based. Um, so it's, the cuisine is, is a little bit different. But in terms of you know, a place that really embodies these principles, uh, it's, it's definitely a very interesting experiment. Um, and it, he's doing a lot of great work, especially with the different programs that he does. There's a a reversing diabetes program that is very successful. Um, they do different kind of spiritual retreats where people come in and kind of learn the skills that they need to de-stress, to, you know, disconnect from their very busy lives. Um, and, you know, just like everything that we've been talking about, reconnect and learn some of the tools so that they can, you know, take health and wellness back into their own lives. That's amazing. And that's one thing that um, a lot of people, I feel, come to a plant-based diet because their health is failing. They've come to that place where they have type 2 diabetes or cancer or some other illness or, and, they're, and they're trying to use food as medicine, which is beautiful. But at the same time, I, I wish that there were so many chances we could talk to people before it came to that, to that point because so often people don't get a second chance. Uh, you yeah, know? it's really true. I mean, my parents went plant-based only after my father had a heart attack, and I feel very fortunate that he lived, and so they did have that second chance. But there's not a day that goes by that I think that might not have been a possibility for our family. Right. Yeah, and there are so many people that are not even aware that these kind of treatments exist. You know, that, right. that, that food is medicine. I mean, that concept for a vast majority of the population uh, still doesn't even enter into their heads, they don't know that that's an option. Um, so, and, and I feel like, like that's really changing. We've been fortunate to have these amazing leaders of the plant-based movement who have mm -hmm. taken this message out. Um, and I think it's becoming more and more mainstream and at least more and more acknowledged. But yeah, it is so sad that so many people don't even see it as an option. And even today, you know, doctors will still tell people, you're, there's no cure for type two diabetes, you have it for life. And we know that's not true. But um, but I do think you're right. I do think that the message is slowly but surely getting out there. And hopefully as more and more people become educated, they'll share with their loved ones and it'll just continue to spread until finally the medical community will have to be like, okay, yeah, we agree. <laughs> you guys yeah. can't just, you know, all right, fine. We accept it. We'll teach it in medical school, um, which is sad because there's no nutrition in medical school, but hopefully that will change in the next decade. 
Yeah. I mean, like, how many success stories do you need? I mean, right. your, your Herbie of the Week stories and, like, the Forks Over Knives uh, stories. I mean, every week there's this incredible story of transformation. Right. And, yeah. I mean, I think just on Happy Herbivore, we're almost to 200 now. Yeah. And, um, and that's just Happy Herbivore. Like you said, you know, Forks Over Knives constantly has totally different people, different stories. Um, Dr. McDougal has his star McDougalers. And then there's just plenty of other people who just, you know, give their own testaments. And then I, I'm a firm believer, having had this customer service background, I did customer service in college. For every one person who speaks up, there's 10 people who have a similar experience but are too shy or just don't want to be bothered or something. So yeah. if that's true, even half of that's true, let's say it's really just five, like that's taking my 200, that's a thousand. Yeah. I and, mean, so, and that's just, you know, now add in McDougal's and Forks Over Knives and everybody else's and it's just like, what? But, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you have to pay attention to that. I mean, you yeah. have to pay attention to that. And even though, I mean, the scientific studies are coming and we're seeing more and more, you know, science-based evidence that supports it. But even like just that preponderance of, of like anecdotal evidence mm -hmm. is huge. I mean, you, you, have to, you have to pay attention to that. Absolutely. So one of the ways that you and I connected was over actually doctors. Right. So on happyherbivore.com, with the help of my readers, I started to compile a list of physicians who were either vegan, plant-based, or at the very minimum, were very supportive of their patients following a vegan or plant-based diet. And the list is quite substantial and growing every day. But Matt, you're actually taking that information and doing something bigger with it. Yeah, so over the past few months, I've been turning that into a, a website. Um, so, you know, the idea is to have this international database of plant-based healthcare practitioners. Um, and there's some really cool sorting functionality on there. So you can plug in your zip code or your town, and, you, and then you could filter the list by uh, what kind of doctor they are, if they're an MD or if they're an RD or... Like a naturopath or... Yep, for whatever awesome. kind of practitioner they are or what kind of specialty... Um, so, you know, hopefully for the people who are plant-based and in these more rural areas where they don't have access to as much of a community or of, you know, can't find a doctor that even has any idea, mm -hmm. you know, like what, what they're trying to do. I hear those stories all the time of people, they go to the oh, doctor. Oh yeah, they're, they're like, like, what? <laughs> yeah, they're like, what are you doing? I don't, you know, I don't get it. And they're seeing these amazing results and they're telling their doctor, you know, like how, what they've been doing and the results that they've been getting. Um, but a way for everybody to connect with a healthcare practitioner that really understands and supports uh, the plant-based lifestyle so that you know, there's not this real misunderstanding, miscommunication um, where your you know, healthcare practitioner uh, doesn't have a clue you know, what you're trying to do and, and the power that it has mm -hmm. um, to uh, you know, uh, ameliorate your type 2 diabetes or your heart disease or your blood pressure or your cholesterol, all those kinds of things. Um, so yeah, that's coming together and within the next couple of weeks I think we'll probably be able to release it. So it'll be at uh, plantbaseddoctors.org. That's awesome. I'm so excited. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I'll send you the link. It's and, definitely going along. And so, but this is not your first sort of, you're very entrepreneurial I guess is where I'm getting at and you have a lot of other things that you've been doing too that maybe you can tell us about. Yeah, um, so after I spent four years working at Dr. Cousin Center, um, I saw so many incredible transformations and it just kind of reinforced, you know, what I already had experienced in my own life that um, once, like, the, transforming your, your well-being, your happiness and your health is so simple. Like, it's so straightforward and the practices are all laid out, you know, it's like, if you change your diet, if you eat a more plant-based diet, if you exercise, you know, do some form of exercise like yoga, and if you do some sort of uh, meditative practice like, you know, meditation or prayer or what, whatever it happens to be, you know, that kind of helps get your mental state in the right area. Um, like, life changes. Like, mm -hmm. you just have such a different experience of life, and you can be happy and you can be healthy. Um, so the practices are there, the knowledge is there, the science is starting to be there. But what I noticed is that what people were lacking is the support. Um, and for my own journey, it was such a challenge for me to change my diet. Um, I felt so socially isolated. Mm -hmm. um, there was this huge learning curve. And so what I've 
uh, really been devoting my my life to over the past few years is trying to figure out what are the best ways to support people um, in changing their behaviors and changing their habits and adopting these healthy practices. Um, so along with that, I have a site that I run with my partner, Regan. It's called uh, don'tlosethecow.com. And it kind of takes a more of like a, a habit change or a behavioral change uh, approach to transition to a plant-based diet. So I really like love to talk about behavioral psychology and the environment, um, like the ways that you can set up your environment for success. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is so ways. important because willpower is a limited resource. Yep, exactly. And that's 100% like the premise behind what we're doing is that willpower is, is limited. Um, you can use it, but only up to a certain degree. And so what are all the ways that we can tweak our environment, um, find some social support, um, understand that there is a learning curve in terms of the way that we prepare food, uh, making sure that we have easy access to the right food at all times. How can we kind of optimize all these pieces to give ourselves a greater chance uh, to succeed and to succeed long term on a plant-based diet? And that's one of the things I found over and over again with our members is one, the support is the missing component. And a lot of times it's what pe- people think, oh, I wish I had someone who understands because I feel isolated, but they don't actually see until they have it how absolutely critical and vital it is to have a tribe, to have a group of like-minded peers, to have people there that support you and understand you and are going through it with you. And when we introduced like the groups and chats and forums for Meal Mentor, it was it totally made a difference. Like we saw so much more success with our members in terms of either yeah but no i completely agree with you about support i think it's a missing it's the missing component a lot of people don't realize how much they need like they underestimate it like sure they're feeling isolated and they wish they had a buddy but until they actually have that support system that like-minded group of peers that just understands you or going through it with you or have been through it before and they're kind of being a mentor to you you never realize how much you need it and how powerful it is And when we introduced the forums and the Facebook group and the live chats to our meal plan users, to our members, we saw immediately huge more success stories, way more people able to either stick with being plant-based or they lost more weight. And they would say, oh my God, I'm so glad I found my people, I found it. It's just, it's such an important thing, like you said, to sort of have that community, even if it's only online. Like ideally, of course, you would have someone in town that you could, you know, get together with. But if you can't, if you only have the internet, which is what she what was like for me, it just makes such, such a difference. And I totally agree with you about the environment. That's what I'm telling people all the time. Even if it's just like, there are certain things I don't even bring into the house because it does not, it's not a self-supporting practice for me to have these things that I don't have control over, like say chocolate. Right. It's all about creating an environment. Or in my case, I have to cook all of my meals ahead on the weekend and reheat them because otherwise during the week, my work week's so busy, it's so crazy. And then I'm like, uh uh-oh, and I'm not prepared. And that's when the chance for doing something that takes me further away from my goals happens. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as much as we can have the decisions made for us in advance, um, it just makes it so much easier to follow through. You're just like taking out all these little because mm-hmm. really what it comes down to is it's it's moments mm-hmm. it's these small moments of decision when you get home after work and you're exhausted and you're starving and your blood sugar's dropping and you're like what am i going to eat you know it's like moments like that when when you say yes or no mm-hmm. and you decide i'm going to stick on the i'm going to stay on the wagon or i'm going to go order a pizza or go to the drive through mm-hmm. like those are the small moments that really add up absolutely and, yeah, and they don't seem like much. You know, we can think that you know we can do it for a day or for two days, um, but it's really those like small everyday moments that make the difference. And so the way that we manage those is by planning in advance and setting up these systems that hold us accountable. Uh, these ways that we feel supported so that we can stay on the path. Yeah, one of my favorite quotes from is from Benjamin Franklin, and it says, "If you're failing to plan, you're planning to fail." And I'm like, oh, yes, that's so true. And if you think about it, that's just, you know, life in general. Things just go much better. Even if you things don't go as according to plan, if you sit there and you think them through, you just have less anxiety. You feel more prepared. Um, And I think that's something meditation and yoga has in a very roundabout way brought to me is it's 
taught, it teaches me about not only being in the moment, but being prepared to seize the most that I can out of every moment. Yeah, absolutely. And it also gives you the space to kind of step back and get more in touch with like what your priorities are Mm -hmm. and what the right choices really are. Because a lot of times, and I spent a lot of my life this way of being so busy and Uh just going from one thing to the other. And it's so easy to get lost in the in the details when that's the case and lose track of kind of what what is most important. I love that you pointed that out about being busy because that was me too. Is I felt like I was so busy all the time I couldn't possibly squeeze more more thing in. But then when I sort of became more mindful and I looked at all this stuff that was making me busy, I noticed two things. One, I was busy but I wasn't necessarily productive. Yeah. And two, when I looked at all the things that I was doing and I looked at my priorities, they didn't exactly match. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> and I was like, there's something fundamentally wrong here. <laughs> I need uh-huh. to rethink all this stuff that I'm doing that's taking up all this time and causing all this anxiety and stress and makes me so busy bananas, but it's not really in line with my priorities and goals. Uh, yeah, exactly. And that's part of you know what we've talked about too in terms of when you look at the big picture of what you know being healthy and happy really is, um, the when you start to be fulfilled through different means there's there's a need to there's not as much of a need to be so busy and to fill your day with all these kinds of things so you know culturally we put such value on being busy um and i think so much so many of us and definitely for me too like i needed to feel like i was busy in order to feel like i was being mm-hmm. like like i was valuable yeah. you know my my sense of value and my sense of self-worth was so tied into my production and you know culturally and I know you've traveled a lot, so you've seen that this definitely isn't the case in other cultures. Nope. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, if there's one thing I think that we can do and that, you know, adopting a healthier lifestyle, and especially yoga and meditation really helps, is to kind of uh, unhitch your self-worth to your uh, idea of how productive and how busy you are. And when that happens, so much space is freed up to... Um, kind of devote more time and energy and resources to the things that you really care about and it's it's beautiful when that happens absolutely and that's definitely something that i have noticed i mean i'm from new york city originally which is all about like fast paced maximum productivity like you go from the moment you wake up until the time you go to bed you barely sleep it's just constant and if you're not in this constant motion people think you're lazy or you think you're lazy or you know it's like you said you're putting your personal value on your going or your productivity which should not be how it is and then um I well first you know I started traveling through Europe and then I lived in Europe and it was amazing like people took our lunch breaks and they just ate their sandwich they didn't eat their sandwich and watch TV they didn't eat their sandwich at their desk they just ate their sandwich or in Spain, you know, they had actual siestas. They took naps. And, yeah. um, and and the same thing, you know, I saw in Asia. Everyone was just, it was a slower pace. People take a lot of vacation. They basically um, work so that they can live. They don't live to work, which is very Western. And um, and the same thing's true. They eat to live. They don't live to eat. And those those things really have stayed with me. And I find I work less. But when I do work, I work more, I'm more productive, I work better, um, and I don't know. It's like I, I do less, but I accomplish more, and then that makes me even happier about the balance and enjoying that time where I'm being true to myself, whether it's practicing yoga or spending time with my family. Mm-hmm. Totally. It's just yeah, and less and, is more. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and that's another small way that you know, as we take these steps towards towards health and we start to, you know, if we're just starting out, uh, just taking that initial first step um, and going to a yoga class or just having even one plant-based meal a week or just sitting down to meditate for like three minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are the things that I love to talk about, you know, taking these baby steps forward because the cascade that they have in your life um, is just so huge. Mm-hmm. And we start to see these things that, that you're talking about, how... You know, you're you spend less time working and you're more productive, um, and the your life starts to come into balance in these really amazing ways. 
I agree completely. So one thing you just said about these baby steps, such as taking a three minute practice, what are some things people can do? You know, they're hearing us talk and they're really stoked about meditation or they're really stoked about yoga or raw food or something. What are, what's something that they can do right now? How, what is a baby step that you recommend? Um, so I have an article on our site that's called Meditation Works, Except It's Impossible. Um, <laughs> and that is, uh, kind of my approach to getting started with meditation. Um, and so, because I, like I mentioned, I tried to meditate for years and it just never really happened. And so I, th I think a lot of the problem with that is that we have a little, uh, we come in with all this baggage in terms of, we think that we know what meditation is. Mm -hmm. Um, we think that we know what it's going to get us. Uh, we think we know what it looks like and we think we know, you know, who it's for and who it isn't for. <clears throat> and you know along with the plant-based diet like mindfulness and meditation is really starting to become more mainstream which is really great um, but for me what I like to do is to think about you know meditation is just sitting quietly and just kind of like noticing what's going on like just kind of checking in with yourself like seeing you know what's going on in your head uh, how does your body feel um, what what's going on in the environment you know like what what sounds are happening you know mm -hmm. like what uh, what temperature is it? Like, what is the, what does it feel like as there's a light breeze blowing and it just kind of like touches your skin? You know, it's just like becoming present to what is happening in your environment. And so what I have people do is to uh, have a challenge of seven days and to commit 100% commitment to meditating for just three minutes every day for seven days. Just three minutes, that's all it takes. Three minutes, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's like, I, Three minutes, I, just... I spend more time, you know, in the bathroom. <laughs> exactly. I mean, really, <laughs> if we're being honest. <laughs> That's hilarious because I was going to say that, but I, <laughs> I was like, uh, maybe I shouldn't say that on Lindsay's podcast. But <laughs> uh, poop comes up more than I uh, than I probably should talk about on this podcast. Well, great. So yeah, three minutes a day, um, and and that's really all that you need to start uh, to to start to develop the practice. Um, so it's, and it's really great also to decide when it's going to be. Um, so it works really great first thing when you wake up in the morning or right mm -hmm. before you go to bed. Um, and you know, people see all these pictures of a monk sitting with their legs crossed and, or, you know, the Buddhist people sitting with their back straight and all that kind of stuff. It really, uh, and especially when you're starting out, it doesn't matter how you sit. You just want to be comfortable. So you're not worried about your body. Yeah, that's a good that's good advice. Yeah, that was definitely me. I would see all the like people with their legs crossed in funky ways and their hands on their knees, and my body just d was not that flexible when I started. Like there was no amount of getting myself in that position. <laughs> I know. I was. Just, then, I mean, I can do it now. Two years later. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah. I, but I, I think I ended up sitting on like a cushion or something and, and whatever. It was, but like you said, it was comfortable. So I wasn't like fidgeting or spending my whole time thinking, ow, my knee or ow, my butt or ow, my this or whatever. I was just like, okay, I'm comfortable. Yep, exactly. So just sit comfortably, whatever it is, if it's in a chair, if it's on the floor, sit comfortably. And then for three minutes, um, just sit quietly. And it's good to have uh, something... So some technique to, to quiet the mind. And this is, you know, all the different approaches to meditation. Um, they're basically variances in how people choose to quiet the mind. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you hear about mantras, that's just a technique to quiet the mind. Uh, yantra is like a sacred picture that you, you know, that you visualize, just a technique to quiet the mind. Um, focusing on your breath, just a technique to quiet the mind. So it doesn't matter what technique you use. Um, the simplest one and the one that I typically like to get started with is just to focus on your breath mm -hmm. and what that means for me is that I try and pay attention to the actual sensation of like air rushing past my nostrils as I inhale so you know you have that little strip of skin in between oh, your nostrils yeah I'm doing it right now yeah <laughs> it's like you would never notice it but you can actually feel the air like going past that little piece of skin as you breathe in and out um, oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah, so just do that for three minutes. And and this is the most important part, is that your mind is absolutely going to wander. Mm -hmm. If you try and quiet your mind, like all you're going to get is more more noise. And it's like the pink elephant. Don't think about a pink elephant. Don't think about a pink <laughs> elephant. What do you think about a pink elephant? <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, the quiet mind and like the peacefulness is, it's kind of like a byproduct, you know, like that comes um, with time and with practice. But if that becomes your goal, like you have totally defeated yourself right off the bat. And I so wish that someone had like told me this all the times that I was trying to meditate. Because I, I was like sitting, I remember this one time, I hiked to the top of this mountain and I was like, oh, this is so peaceful. This is so beautiful. I'm going to meditate uh, right here. It's going to happen <laughs> gonna for me, damn it. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm the kind of guy who meditates and this is exactly the kind of situation that I would be meditating in. And like I got myself so worked up and like so upset, like mm-hmm. sitting there trying to meditate because I'm like, oh, my mind's not quiet. Yeah. Oh, now I'm, I'm thinking about Teletubbies. Yeah. Like, <laughs> thing happened to me like I kept trying to meditate and I thought I just sucked at it because my mind would never stop wandering I'm like I can't do this I can't meditate so then I'm like in Costa Rica in the middle of a rainforest (laughs) I've like been hiking I plopped myself down by this stream there was a breeze there were birds I was like this is it this is my moment. Totally. And, and I just couldn't quiet my mind. And like you, I was like thinking about like Doritos and like all these and like Teletubbies. I mean, it was like so asinine. I'm like, why am I thinking about shoelaces? Like, it's like it wasn't even just like at home when I would try and I'd be like thinking about shopping or dinner. I need to call this person or email. No, no, it was like worse and I just like threw a rock down which is like, so, op- like so opposite of calmness I was like that's it I'm just never going to be able to meditate yeah. and then a little while later I was um in a yoga class and it was a substitute teacher and she's like we're going to start this yoga class with a five minute meditation and I was just like oh god because <laughs> I had like given up and she's like is there a problem and I'm like I just can't meditate I have OCD my brain just does not shut off and she's like your brain never shuts off it's it's gonna wander I'm like excuse me I thought it was just supposed to go blank like turn off like the television she's like um no <laughs> uh-huh. and I was like why didn't anybody tell me this yeah absolutely I wasn't yeah, doing it wrong what <laughs> yeah exactly and that's the you know it's the exact same thing like our preconception of what we think that it is is the biggest barrier that holds us back from being able to, to do it and to get started. So like that is so, so liberating. I mean, for me, like you can't fail a meditation. Like as long as you sit your, you know, sit your butt down mm-hmm. and like sit for three minutes, like as long as it doesn't matter if you're thinking about Oprah or Teletubbies or whatever it is, mm-hmm. like the important thing is like to try and bring some awareness to that. So just notice what you're thinking about and sure. then to, to try not to judge it. Because mm-hmm. it's true, like our minds are so insanely stupid. Like w- we think about the stupidest stuff. Oh yeah. You know, especially when we sit down and try and meditate. And so what? What's cool about it, and what the byproduct is, and what I think you know the real value of this practice is, is that you know you're just kind of paying attention to what's going on with your body, and over time you learn not to judge that. Mm-hmm. And then that non-judgment starts to extend to all these different areas of your life. And so you know w- when I have a non-perfect day with food. You know, when I eat a a chocolate or, you know, I eat something that I know isn't serving my best interest, which happens a lot, then, (laughs) you know, like I'm a lot less judgmental about that. Mm -hmm. And, and then the same thing, I start to extend that, that circle starts to extend to, uh, you know, my family and my friends and then just like random people that you start to meet on the street. And so that, that's the cool part is it becomes this, you know, it starts as this very individual thing of like building this muscle of self-acceptance. And then that self-acceptance starts to extend to include more people. Um, but again, it's not something that you try and do. You know, it's like everybody, like I, I always had this idea of myself as like, you know, once I started doing yoga, I'm like, I'm the spiritual person. Mm-hmm. And, and there's these moments that I need to be spiritual. And then I try and, you know, meditate or do whatever it is. And I end up getting frustrated and like, you know, kicking the chair or like, whatever it is getting getting upset and and just like totally spoiling that image mm-hmm. um so it's like we can't try to do it it's just we just uh make these small decisions in our everyday lives to you know make the next meal as healthy as possible you know make the ne- next meal a plant-based meal um go to your yoga class sit for three minutes of meditation and those small things will start to have a tremendous impact on your life and it's true because like you were saying, if you're kind to yourself, eventually that kindness will extend to others, even if it's not, and you know, it's like you're not like, okay, I'm going to go be nice to my mom. You're just nicer. 
Yeah, exactly. And um, I think that's one of the things that meditation has taught me. Is like you, I was like, okay, I'm I'm a super yogi, I'm spiritual, I'm Zen, and then I was like, I never could seem to call on it when I needed. I like at the moment <laughs> I was like looking for it, and then I realized, okay. If someone's like awesome, they don't walk around and say I'm awesome. They're just awesome. So if I'm spiritual, I don't need to walk around and be like, I'm super spiritual right now. I'm just spiritual. <laughs> uh-huh. It's just like it happens when you don't try to force it. But it definitely. And I, 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 I started with five minutes, but I'm willing to think three is just as good. Hell, one, 20 seconds, just, you know, start. But um, for me, I, when I first started, I would count my inhales and exhales like I would try to inhale on the count of six hold for a beat and then exhale for the count of six and uh, Uh because I found counting kind of became like a metronome sort of so that could be something people try I actually do chant a mantra to myself now um, over and over and over but it's like it's you said it's different for everyone try a bunch of different things out for you maybe every week try something new and see what works for my husband, he found he just had to try to sit still for three minutes. You know, not twitch, not adjust, not you know, blink, you know, blink, scratch his face. Just sit there and not move for three minutes was like his uh, th- his starting point. Yeah, I love that. That's great. But um, and some people describe when they close their eyes, they see a light at the end of their nose. I don't ever see this light at the end of my nose, but that might work for someone. Yeah, I've never seen any lights to focus at the little light at the end of their nose. I don't know. It doesn't happen for me either, but I like it. Three minutes, you could do it. I, For me, for my meditation, I get up 15 minutes earlier than I actually would normally get up. Like, let's say my normal get up is 5.30, so I get up at 5.15. I literally slide out of my bed and sit on the floor next to my bed with my back against the side of my bed, and that's where I do my meditation. That's awesome. I and do the exact same my, thing. Yeah, my secondary alarm then goes off to let me know. And I'm like, okay, I'm up and I'm done. But that's how it is. It's like slide out of the bed, meditate, and go. Yeah. It's the totally. only way I'll fit it in. If I do anything else, if I even go brush my teeth, forget it. It's not going to happen. Uh, yeah, it's the exact same way for me. That's awesome. Yeah, and that's and just, man, I just, I love that. I love all these little examples of, it's like such a small little tweak, but it makes mm-hmm. all the difference in terms of like catalyzing that behavior. Oh, yeah. And if I don't do it, like if I sleep in that day, I always regret it. I mean, I don't know why yeah. I still do it because I know I'm going to regret it. Like I eventually I will learn and be like, no, the 15 minutes of sleep really isn't going to make your life better. You really need to meditate. You'll be sorry all day. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the same way. So I think before, just to wrap up, since I teased about it early in the introduction, let's talk sprouting real fast. Okay. Um, yeah. So one of my one of my jobs at the Tree of Life, uh, Dr. Cousin Center was I was the sprout guy. So I spent about a year of my time there growing sprouts for, for the center. Um, and I have such profound love and respect for sprouts. Like it's, it's kind of ridiculous. So how, um, how can we start sprouting? What do I need to do? Uh, so the best thing to do, I mean, I mean, there's tons of things that you can sprout. You can do you know, sunflowers and radish and broccoli and all this kind of stuff. Uh, but I think clover is actually the best sprout. Really? Yeah, clover is really great. Um, and you can do it in one of those, you know, like medium-sized mason jars. Okay. Um, what would those be? Probably like, I don't know if it's the 16-ounce ones or like a 32-ounce one. I think they're the 16 because I think the 32 are those the big boys. Okay. So actually, I would do a 32. Okay. Because otherwise, you don't really get you don't get. So you want to get the biggest really... mason jar at Target. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yep. And then you really don't need, so, so you can buy uh, clover seed from Sprout People is a really great source. Is that like sproutpeople.com? Yeah, I think so. If you Google Sprout People, it'll definitely come up. Okay. So clover seeds from Sprout People. I'm writing all this down. Okay. Um, and then you can just get, um, at a lot of co-ops, they have these little screw-on mason jar tops with the little holes in them. They're specifically for sprouting. Okay. Um, and that's a really good way to go. Otherwise, you can just get like a piece of window screen and just put a rubber band over the jar. That's easy. You can get that at yeah. any hardware store. Totally. So, okay, so my seeds are in my mason jar. I've got my screen and rubber band over the top or a sprouting top. Yep. And that's it? So, yeah. So in terms of like equipment and supplies, like that's pretty much all you need. You wow. got the seed, you got, you, you got your jar, you got your screen, you're ready to go. Um, so then, so the procedure that you use to get started with the with sprouting is, so let's 
let's see, for a big mason jar, you're going to put in, uh, let's say, it probably is going to be like three tablespoons of seed. Okay. And you're going to put in water uh, just so it covers the seed, and you're going to let it soak for eight hours. Okay. When eight hours is up, you drain the water out, and then you put the jar at a 45 degree angle if possible. Um, so if you have like a dish rack, like one of those dish racks that sits oh, on the, on the side smart. that has like, yeah, that's one of the best things to do. Um, otherwise you can just kind of like prop it up um, on your counter or, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can do it. But that, that ensures that the water is draining out, but the air, the air can still get in. So that's the crucial component there. Okay. And then all you're gonna do is you're gonna rinse it twice a day. So you just put some water in there, shake the jar around, make sure you get all the seeds, they'll kind of like stick to the side of the jar. Um, so make sure you get all the seeds and then you just rinse it and then drain the water out and you just do that twice a day. So like when you get up in the morning and then like maybe at dinner time or something? Yep. Okay. And then after seven days, you'll have these beautiful like two inch well, maybe two inches is a stretch, like an inch to two inch sprouts. Um, and you're pretty much done. You're ready to harvest them. Um, so then what you'll do is you take them out of, out of the jar. You'll put them in a big bowl and you'll fill that bowl up with water. So you're giving them kind of like a final bath. Mm -hmm. And then the little holes will float to the top of the water. And you just take a big spoon and you just kind of like scoop the holes and you just scoop those out of the water and you throw them away. And then you just take the sprouts out, put them in a salad spinner, spin them dry, and then they'll keep in your fridge for um, probably anywhere from like three to seven days. So they don't have a super long shelf life. Oh, I wouldn't have, I was thinking three was the max. So that's amazing to hear that they could yeah. possibly be longer than three days. Yeah, if you put them through a salad spinner, then they'll probably last a little bit longer. Okay. That's amazing. Yeah. And what's, what's so awesome about it is that like, you're growing these super nutritious organic vegetables that, you know, you were the only person involved in their production. So, you know, you know exactly what went into those sprouts. Mm -hmm. So they're like, you know, super clean, very nutritious, high in protein. Um, the nutrients are very bioavailable. Um, and for some people, especially when you're new to plant-based, um, you have some digestive issues. Like for me, I couldn't really, it took me a little while to like build up the digestive fire to be able to deal with kale. Oh, that's, that's fascinating. But yeah. I, 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 that's definitely true. I, for me, it was legumes. I had a hard time with beans right out the gate. Yeah. So sprouts are like super easy to, to digest. They break down really easily. Um, and there's been different studies that have done, have been done on their, uh, nutritional value, like broccoli sprouts, for example, have like, I think it's 200 times the sulfur, sulforaphane as broccoli. Wow. Yeah, so it's like you get these like very high concentrations of the phytonutrients, um, which is really great. And I remember like I, um, I'll occasionally buy sprouted things, but I was buying um, sprouted wheat berries for a while, and I don't remember the exact nutritional, but like I remember looking at – the sprouted wheat berry nutrition compared to just like a regular wheat berry and just like the protein had like quadrupled. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not uncommon. I was all. like, wow, just from sprouting it. It's like amazing. But they're the person I was buying them from is like, this is why we sprout. Yeah, totally. If yeah, you go so to a farmer's I market, you might be able to buy sprouts depending on where you live, but um, it's better to do it yourself. Like you said, and I think you just appreciate it so much for you. Like, look what I made. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And it's really cool. And as we go through this process of um, like changing our diets, we get kind of like more in touch with how, like what we eat, how that impacts our body. And to be able to extend that out to like how we like to grow the food that you then consume and then you see the health results, you just get to see like the full circle of nutrition and how, you know, we have like plants are just such an amazing gift, mm -hmm. you know, that, that these things grow and, and they're able to nourish us and sustain us and to uh, help us find optimal health and to participate more in that pro in that process um, is is a really amazing thing. Indeed. The whole, seeing that whole connection, that full life, 
What were you saying about that woman? She, living the successful life. I love that. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that. But I had that. There was a 92 year old woman doing a headstand when I went into my very first yoga class ever, and I think that she single handedly made me come back for a second class, but also really <laughs> rethink my life. Yeah. And make some sweeping yeah, changes. Absolutely. Well, Matt, totally. it has been absolutely amazing to have you on the podcast. And I hope you'll consider coming on again because you have so much to offer. Anytime. It's such a joy. All right. Well, thank you so much for anyone who wants to learn more. You can visit GetMealPlans.com. I will post some links also to all of Matt's wonderful websites. And hopefully the doctor's site will be up soon. So if you need a doctor, you can find one. There was also episode seven was Dr. Allen. Um, and he gives some great tips. And he's on the list as well. But he gives some great tips for um, you know talking to your doctor if, unfortunately, you can't come to one of the many on Matt's website. But thanks again, everyone. And thanks, Matt. Thank you.